We are on our seventh part here. So if this is your first week, don't worry, you, you won't feel lost. Um, but this is our, the seventh part of a obvious set, since this is the end, a seven-part series on the soul. Next week, we're going to kick off a whole new series. And, um, th- but this week, we're winding this one up. And I have thoroughly enjoyed this. I've enjoyed the study. I've enjoyed the, all of this series. And we've had a number of people who've wanted the whole thing. We've never burned CDs. We've got all our stuff available online. And so you can... You can download it and listen to it all you want to. Uh, but on this, we are, this series, we are going to have some, some CDs available. And uh, just if you want them, you can have them just free of charge and uh, make this series uh, available to those who want it. So in the uh, next couple of weeks, we will have those uh, ready for you. But in this series, we, we've had this one idea. And this is the seventh time we've jumped off with this thought. And you're like, well, Brandon just isn't very creative. He keeps saying the same launching idea. Does he have like writer's block? No. It's that this is the concept I want us to come away with. So we keep coming back to it and we launch here and we go down this avenue. And we come back and launch here and go down this one. So here we go again. God's desire. If you take your notes and open them up, you can follow right along. God's desire is to continually grow us from the inside out. Guess what? None of us have arrived, folks. I am, I am up here, and I'm going to tell you right now, I am still a work in progress. God is still growing me. God is still maturing me. I have a hunger and a desire to allow God to transform me more and more into His image. I hope that I look more like Christ in five years than I do today. I hope that I am more loving and more <clears throat> of everything that God is. And that process happens from the inside out. It's not this external thing that I squish it onto me or paste it onto me or act a certain way. It's something that becomes alive. And that's the way it is for all of us. And that God's desire is to grow us continually from the inside out. And this growth is in the area of our mind, our will, and our emotions. Remember we've said every week that when we place our faith in Christ, we are heaven ready right then. We are alive in Christ, and I'm telling you, we are, we are, our spirit is perfectly alive in Christ, and we are ready to stand before God. We are heaven ready right then. But we still, while we're on this planet, there is that we are spirit, soul, and body. Guess what? One day we'll get a new one of these. I'm so thankful. My slopey chin goes away. You know, my, my love handles are gone. You know, I have my glorified body. And uh, one day I'm going to get one of those. We all are. Um, but there's also this thing, so our, our, you know, our spirit's heaven ready. Now we're going to have to have a new body. This one's going to go away. This one is just temporary. I'm going to get a brand new one. And then, but there is this piece in the middle called our soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And that's the process that we're in right now of that being renewed, okay? We can maintain this body, but guess what? It's going to go away. But our soul, our soul is in the process of being renewed and growing in our mind and our will and our emotions. And we need to understand John, 3 John 2. Beloved, in regard to all things, I pray that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. I pray that, that your life would go well as you embrace what God is doing in your, in your soul. As he, you allow him to transform the way you think your desires, and the way you emotionally respond to things, 
then you're going to begin to live more and more the life that Christ purchased and completely gave us. And so we have to embrace that, what's happening in our lives. And it, it affects all things, all areas. So this week we want to focus on a, a, a new piece, this kind of this final little tool I think we really need to see our souls carry forward in the transformation process and in the transformation of our souls. How we talk is an indicator and an activator for our soul growth. It is an indicator and an activator. See, when it's like the thermostat on the wall. You can go to the thermostat and you can look and see what temperature it is. See, this is what it is right now. A lot of times we can see, we want to kind of get a heart check. We can kind of just, you know, think, well, what, what's the stuff that's rolling out of my mouth? Am I crabby? Am I, am I negative? Am I down? Am I, am I speaking the kind of stuff that I think God would speak over my life? Or am I, or am I speaking all kinds of junk? Am I pushing people away with my words or do people want to be around me because my words are lifting up? That's a good indicator. It's that place on the surface. This is where you're at. But it's also not just an indicator. Just like you can go to that thermostat and see, ooh, it's 77 degrees. It's a little, that's, that's warm to me. I don't want my house to be 77 degrees. And I can go, okay, that's a little warm. And I can go over there and then I can also use it to adjust. And I can go, ooh, Let's dial this down. Let's bring this to here and use that same tool to begin to see an adjustment. And the way we speak can also be used as a way to begin to take our soul and say, Hey, soul, get in line. Get on board with this direction. Let's look at Luke 645. It says, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil out of the evil stored up in his heart. This Again, this is that indicator thing. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. This isn't something Pastor Brandon just made up because we've got to figure out some way to end this whole series. No, this is what the Bible says. This is the this is way it is. We, we can look at our, how we're speaking and it's going to reflect What's going on on the inside of us? Proverbs eighteen seven says, A fool's mouth is his undoing, and his lips are a snare. It's not just an indicator. It's actually tripping his soul up. And Proverbs eighteen twenty one says, Tongue has the power of life and death in it, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Okay, when you understand... What, the, what our tongue really is capable of and what it's an indicator of and then what we can use it as a tool for, we can begin to see our souls transform a little bit. See, do we have an enemy out there that understands this. Remember, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but there, are, there is this, this enemy who is an enemy of our very souls. Okay? And he loves to get in there and to mess with the way we talk and to mess with what's coming out of our mouths. It's, it's an amazing thing that uh, the uh, uh, killer whale, of course, it's called the killer whale because it hunts and it kills. And, you know, and uh, one of the animals that it will attack is the sweet little beluga whale. I mean, beluga whale, aren't they just sweet whales? 
I mean, they just, you just look at a blue whale and you just want to hug it. I mean, they're just so, they're just so sweet looking. Well, these killer whales and the beluga whales are huge, you know, and you think this, that this killer whale would attack this beluga whale because it could like eat for days. You think it could just eat and just have this big old meal on this big old beluga whale. But these, these whales will actually get together and attack the beluga whale and they want to eat one part of that beluga whale. They will kill this entire ginormous animal and they want to eat one part, its tongue. That's all they want. They want to eat its tongue. Their fishermen finally fi- had figured that out and the whalers would actually then use the uh, killer whales and they would kill the beluga whale because they wanted its blubber and all of that stuff. And then they would cut the tongue out and throw it to the killer whales. Well, they developed this relationship and the killer whales would lead the sailors to where the beluga whales were and wait for the tongue. Let them do all the work, get their tongue and go on their merry way. And so we have an enemy that understands that he'll cut and he wants to... He wants to rule our tongue. James gets all up in our business about our tongue. He says, really, who can control the tongue? It has all sorts of, of, of power, and most people just do destruction with it. We have to understand that as we're, what we are rehearsing, what we're talking about, is going to bring life to something or destruction to something. And uh, even today's today's blog, it was so fitting that today's reading hit on in uh, uh, in the Proverbs that uh, even a fool is thought wise if he keeps his mouth shut. You know, some sometimes that it's just even if we don't know what's going, we just need to just ah, keep our mouths closed. Oh, uh, uh, Calvin Coolidge, known as Silent Cal. President of the United States of America that said the least. And uh, some people say, yes, maybe politicians should say less and do more. And uh, so I'm not getting political. It's just opinion. And, uh, but anyways, he was just known for not saying much. And he was at a, at a dinner party one time. And this lady decided that she wanted to, she felt like she could get him to really begin to share and open up. And uh, she said, uh, Yes. I have no idea. Let's call the folks and movies start earlier in the summers. Sometimes they forget we're in here. So if y'all can stay with me and I have my accompaniment background music. But Calvin Coolidge was at this dinner party. um, And uh, the lady said, I bet that I can make you say more than two words. And he looked up, looked up from his meal and said, you lose. <laughs> he just wasn't going to be baited into it. And we have to have that kind of a will. We have to be willing to not be baited into saying stuff that we really don't mean. Uh, <clears throat> my uh, grandfather taught me the, uh, the, the power and the influence of what it is you're going to say and what it is you're going to rehearse. And he did it in inadvertently and uh because my my grandfather is just a a big golfer i mean he is like golf machine he's still in his uh 
you know, pushing 80 years old, and he gets out there and he can't hit the ball as far as he used to, but he just loves the game, loves to be outside, and spent tons of time on the golf course. Enough time on the golf course that he not only has one hole-in-one, he has two hole-in-ones on the golf course. So most people golf their whole lives and never make a hole-in-one. And he's been on there so much, just law of probabilities. He, it, it just happened. And uh, he's got two hole-in-ones in his life. And, uh, of course, also being out there, eventually one of those golf balls is uh, probably going to be unfriendly to you at some point with all those things flying around. Sure enough, he was at the, there in Andrews where he plays, at the number one tee box, and somebody hits the ball and toes it off. The ball comes flying and nails him, I mean, just feet away off of a drive, nails him in the chest. Just, boom, hits him in the chest. And, of course, leaves a ginormous bruise in his chest. You take a golf ball, and, you know, somebody drives a golf ball into your chest, it's, it's going to hurt. And uh, so my papa was a big storyteller. And uh, he, uh, so he would, you know, told us that story. And uh, we were around him again about six months later. And there were some new folks around, and he was talking about his golfing, and he said, oh, yeah, and begins and tells the folks, oh, so-and-so, do you remember he was there on the old number one tee box? And would you believe he swings and he toes that ball, and that ball comes flying at me, and boom, hit me, and, and, and I still got the bruise. Well, of course, that bruise was not the original bruise. It was the bruise from him whacking himself every time he told the story. And what he rehearsed and what he kept going with his work, he kept alive in himself. That bruise, the, the first bruise was long gone. It just kept re-bruising. And you know what? That, that power, whether or not what we're going to keep alive, are we going to keep our destructions and our defeats alive? Or are we going to allow God to, to use what we speak and what we say to bring al- and keep alive the wins? All of us, all of us have wins and losses in our lives. All of us. What are we going to look at? What are we going to glorify? What are we going to speak about and to share about? And see, when we catch our souls heading in an unhealthy direction, we sometimes just need to tell our souls how it's going to be. And you say, what? We need to tell, I need to tell myself. I need to talk to myself. Isn't that what crazy people do? Well, you know what? What you can do is just get by with it. You can just get one of those little Bluetooth things. And you can just stick it on your ear. And then people think you're on the phone. And then people think, man, you're just chewing somebody else out instead of chewing your soul out. So that, that's, the, that's the, you know, anybody, you start going a little crazy, just wear one of those. And nobody will ever know. And, um, but, uh. When we start seeing that, let's look at Job. Job 10.1, it says, I loathe my very life. Therefore, I will give free reign to my complaint and speak out of the bitterness of my soul. Here he is just in absolute despair. Hates his life and then just turns it loose. Turns his tongue loose and I'm just going to talk off the top of my head out of the bitterness of my soul or we can see what the psalmist did in psalm 42 why are you so downcast oh my soul he starts getting a little depressed starts having a little bit of a negative outlook he starts 
focusing on some of the junk in his life instead of some of the good. And he catches it and calls his soul on it and says, Hey, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. He's telling himself, hey, whoa, 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 what's going on within me? Hey, hey, quit this. Put your hope in God, soul. You will put your hope in God. I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan and the heights of Hermon from Mount to Mount Mizra. We're going to get into these in just a moment. But here he is. He's caught catching him. His soul is going in an unhealthy direction. And therefore he speaks to it and then begins to remember certain things. Certain victories that God has provided his people on purpose. Years ago, and I've told this story before, but years ago I was redoing a roof. Me and Reuben Ramirez were redoing a roof. And uh, for my parents. And uh, Lauren was there as well. And I had Keenan, who was seven years old at the time. He's 16 now, so it's been a little while. And um, so he was up on the roof with us, and he was wanting to earn, earn some money. And uh, so he was up there, and he was just handing me shingles. He wasn't, I didn't have him walking all over the place, you know, whatnot. He, it was secure, nice flat roof, but he was handing me shingles. But he put in a couple of good hard nine-hour days i mean long days up on the roof in the heat and he had already determined in his heart what he was going to buy and man when we i paid him we paid him with ones so man he felt like he just robbed a bank man he just had these big old what the most money he had ever seen in his life and just gave him those big old stack of ones and but he knew the whole time what he was going to buy he was going to buy this back when that right when those inflatable pools he was, blow the little ring up and you fill it up and it comes up and has a little pump and all that he was going to buy one of those for him and his siblings and so it was already set that's what he was earning that money for and so he would get up there and of course it's hot and it's miserable and he was wanting to quit i mean day one i was proud of him high-fiving him way to go boy you made in a full day's work and then he got up next morning was ready to hit it again and he was up there that second day and it, it was hot, and he, I'm sure, was wanting to get down. And then I would hear him say, Oh, that pool is going to feel so good. <laughs> and man, I was so proud of him that he would feel his soul starting to go in a different direction. He'd had a goal. He had set he was going in this direction. And all of a sudden, because of the circumstances, his soul was wanting to go climb down that ladder and get him a Gatorade. And his she-she would take good care of him. But no, he said, mm, that pool is going to feel so good. He just began to remind himself of the outcome, that there was a good outcome intended in that. And then when he got that pool, man, he enjoyed it all the more. We have to be willing to do that. We have to be willing when we catch ourselves drifting off course to go, Whoop! All right, this is what God has in store for us. This is what God is doing in our lives. We are going to stay focused on this. And look, I, I don't think it's any accident that the psalmist picked these things up here. We've got the land of Jordan. Land of Jordan, Jordan, Jordan River, if you're not familiar with it. And the <clears throat> Jordan River was 
the, one of the initial boundaries to be of the promised land. Well, they actually ended up settling both sides. So God's people and God's land are on both sides of the Jordan. And so here it is, is the Jordan runs right through the middle. Represents being right in the middle of what God has planned, God's purpose, God's promises. Okay, there are those times that we have to remember what it was like being in the middle of what God has for us. When we have those times, whether it is when we first came to Christ or, or we knew we were what we remember those moments and we recall those moments of what it's like to be right in the middle of God's plan. And then we have Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon, it represents those grand mountaintop moments. It is the biggest, tallest peak there in Israel. It's really not that tall. It's only not even quite 10,000 feet. And so, I mean, there's lots of mountains that go way higher. But because of its positioning it actually stays with snow on it year-round. And so there's constantly snow on Mount Hermon, and it is parts of it, are, it's, it's uh, melting, and it provides uh, life to these uh, uh, natural springs, and it is this place, this mountain-top experience. It is most likely the place where when Christ did his, was transfigured before um, Peter, James, and John, it was most likely Mount Hermon where that Recall, and we have to be willing to remember when God showed up in those big moments in our lives. We have to remember those big victories. And that's what the psalmist is doing here. When we begin to feel like life's getting away from us, we've got to remember those, those wins. And then we have Mount Mizar. Okay? This is the only place in the whole Bible that this mountain is... This isn't some big, important place. In fact, when you look it up, what it actually means is petty. Mount petty. Mount small. Mount insignificant. And you know what? There are those things that sometimes to everybody else, that may not be a big deal. But to you, God showed up in that little thing, and it is a big, big deal. Other people won't understand. You try to share this testimony with somebody else, and they're like, oh. Hey, that, yeah, that's wonderful that God did that for you. And uh, people just don't understand. But you understand. It was a win in your life. It was vital in your life. It was special in your life. We had a friend that used to call those from God lover gifts. These things that only you and God really embrace and understand. And you know what? We have to remember those things too. When things start to kind of get off course... We remember those that being in the middle of God's plan for our life. We remember the big moments. But we also need to remember those little things. Those little things. That whatever those might be. See, Psalms 42. We're just going to run through a list of them right here. Psalms 42, 11. You're going to think, ah, we just read this. Nope, this is a totally separate verse. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Now, Psalm 43. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Same exact phrasing three different times. Like, why does that matter, Pastor? Because guess what? You may have to do it over and over again. This may have to be something that you hit that moment and you're like, well, I already told my soul to straighten up. Do it again. Do it again. 
I've prayed this one same prayer over and over. If that's what God is doing in your heart, do it again. There is nothing wrong with that. Don't get frustrated with that. Stay with it. Don't get weary. And when you're doing the right thing. Psalm 62, find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. Again, He's just speaking to His soul. Psalm 116, be at rest once more, O my soul. Chill out, soul, for the Lord has been good to you. Psalm 131, but I have stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Again, just that chilling it out. Hey, mind, hey, will, hey, emotions. You chill out, spirit's in control. We're going to allow God to direct us. And then that, we have to remember, and we're going to look at a passage here where we need to remind our souls of all of God's blessings. 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. Man, we find David in a really ugly place. He said, now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Now you have to understand what's happening here. They'd gone off to battle. They'd had some good wins. They come home while they're gone. Another army had come in and had grabbed everything, had kidnapped everybody's family, all the women, all the children, had taken their stuff and burned their town. They come back, and of course, there's no amount of victory on another front. Guys, guess what? You're giving yourself to your career. There is no amount of victory on another front that can compensate for coming home and household being destroyed. There's nothing. You can't win anywhere else big enough to overshadow that. These guys come, and they face that, all of them. And they're just distraught. David's their leader. He led them. He he left everybody unprotected. It's his fault. And they're like, we're going to take him out. His family's gone. His stuff is gone. All of that is gone. Everybody around him wants to kill him and is blaming him. I'm telling you, he has a bad day. And look what he does. I love the way just the old school King James Version puts it. But David encouraged himself. In the Lord his God. He remembered that this isn't. It doesn't have to end right here. It's not over right here. This isn't that. It isn't over. He remembered all the victories that God had given him. He remembered David. He remembered the the, the bear and the lion. I mean the Goliath. He remembered all of those places. And he encouraged himself. In the Lord. Psalm 103. Is representative of that kind of thing. He says, I praise the Lord, O my soul. He's telling his soul to praise God. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desire with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Man, when we begin to 
to think on purpose of all the good that God has done for us and is going to do for us. That's why, again, we have to remember that we are, we are, this, is, this place is temporary. We have a permanent home somewhere else that we are just passing through, that God has, <clears throat> loves us and has forgiven us. And we remind ourselves of God's benefits. And I'm telling you, we can begin to see the ugly days begin to shift and to turn around. And we can't let our emotions run away with us. Our own desires run away with us. Our, our, our thoughts run away with us. We have to be spirit-led people. And when we begin to say that and, we are, and our spirit says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Soul's going crazy. We have example after example after example of that spirit rising up and saying, Soul, chill out. Soul, remember the benefits of God. Soul, praise God. It begins to change everything. See, folks, Christian maturity is about the life of God in us showing the life of God through us. And this happens as the choices that come from our mind, our will, and our emotions are led by the Spirit of God. We have to do everything we can to, to connect. God, Jesus has won the victory for us. We now have to choose on a daily basis to live in that victory. It's done. It is a completed work. And we have to choose to live in it. We have to choose that our souls are going to be transformed. That our lives are going to be and part of that is watching what's welling up out of our hearts, which is reflected in our mouths, and then using our mouths on purpose to pilot our souls, to drive them and walk them in the right direction. This morning, I'd appreciate it if everybody could just make a, a, a private moment here. And that in this moment, that if you're in a place that you're like, hey, hey Brandon, I... I don't, I don't know if I'm in this right place with God. I don't understand this relationship with God thing that you're talking about. Well, guess what? We can fix that. Because the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today. He's calling you and pulling you in today. And this morning, if you're saying, hey, I want that. I recognize that what I have earned for me is death and separation from God. But I understand that Jesus took care of that death and separation from God so that I can have a relationship, not based on myself, but based on what Jesus did 